so we are concluding our new vision and direction series. And for the last eight weeks, uh, we've been unpacking where we see God leading us next. It's been exciting for us to share all of this with you. Uh, Jesus raised up a group of believers and sent them into the world. And in the power of the Spirit, the, that early church changed the world. And they went to the world with two central convictions. The gospel is real, and the gospel changes everything. And those two convictions will be central to who we are and what we do. Every time we gather, every time we come in here to worship, we're going to be reminded that the gospel is real, and the gospel changes everything. Uh, those, again, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. It was something that actually happened and it changes everything, and the world has not been the same. And because the gospel is real and changes everything, there are eight directives that we are going to live by. And these eight directives are going to drive everything we do. Uh, biblical obedience, spirit-led, safe haven, meeting Jesus, transformed lives, missional impact, future-focused, ever-expanding. This morning, we're going to focus on the last directive, ever expanding, ever expanding. We are constantly growing in faith and ministry. We believe that the church is a place to grow in faith. We encourage spiritual growth as we find ways to serve by using our talents and spiritual gifts. We strive to maximize the resources God has entrusted us with. We focus on developing leaders as we expand and as we are innovative, God leads us to more opportunities to impact our community and our world for Christ. Uh, the passage this morning comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. Uh, go ahead and turn there in your Bibles if you have them, or uh, just look it up on your phones. Um, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Uh, this passage in Matthew 13 contains two short parables about the kingdom. Jesus is well known for his parables, and most of the time his parables are about the kingdom of God. Uh, our scripture reader for this morning is Craig Gustafson. Craig, go ahead and make your way up to the podium. As he does, if you are able, I'm going to invite you to stand and face the center of the room. Um, we stand because we believe this is the word of God, and we read from the center of the room to remind us scripture is to be central in our lives. And so, Craig, whenever you are ready, please read from Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Craig, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, before we jump into these parables, uh, I just want to share with you one verse from the book of Romans, which says, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Basically what that means is you can look at creation 
and learn something about God, about his power, about his nature. The theological term for that is called general revelation. General revelation is God revealing himself in nature. Now, for us, the Bible is the ultimate final authority for faith and life. And the Bible affirms this idea of general revelation. That's what, that's what this verse in Romans 1 is saying. The Bible says you can look at creation and learn something about God. And the more that we learn about creation, um, that becomes even more true. Uh, just, let's just take the universe, okay, for example. Um, now, unless you're a physicist or really into science, uh, we really don't understand how amazing the universe is. God's eternal power and divine nature is clearly seen in the universe. Look, our understanding of God is really, really small. It really is. God is much larger than most of us ever imagine. And God reveals that in the universe. The sheer scope and size of the universe tells us your view of God is really small. <laughs> Let's just try to capture how big the universe is. All right? We're going to pretend, let's just pretend, that we have developed the technology to travel one million miles a day. That's pretty fast, to travel one million miles a day. Let's just pretend we have that technology. Now, the distance around the earth, I just want to put in perspective how fast that is. The distance around the earth is 25,000 miles. If we were to travel at the rate of a million miles a day, it would take us 35 minutes to get around the whole earth. Some of you, it took you longer to drive here than 35 minutes. We can make it around the whole earth at a million miles a day in 35 minutes. The distance to the moon is 240,000 miles. At a million miles a day, we could make it to the moon in like six hours. Uh, the distance to the sun is 93 million miles. We could make it to the sun at a million miles a day in about three months. The distance to the planet Jupiter is 490 million miles. If we were to travel a million miles a day, it would take us a year and four months to get to Jupiter. Now, to grasp the size of the universe, we've only made it to Jupiter so far, okay? To grasp the size of the universe, we need to talk about light years. A light year is a measurement of distance, not time. It's how far light travels in a year. One light year is six trillion miles. Light travels six trillion miles in one year. If we were to travel a million miles a day, it would take us 16,000 years to travel a light year. Let me try to put that in perspective. If we would have started traveling at the time of Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth doing his earthly ministry, if we would have started traveling then at a rate of a million miles a day, today we would be one-eighth of the way to a light year. Not half, not a quarter, one-eighth. Um, now, the distance of our galaxy, just our galaxy, the Milky Way, 
from one end of the Milky Way to the other end of the Milky Way is two million light years. I, don't, I, I couldn't even write that number because it's like, it'd be two million times six trillion. I don't even know what number that is. And that's just the Milky Way. The observable universe is 93 billion, with a B, light years in diameter. So take 93 billion, multiply it by six trillion, and that's how many miles the observable universe is. According to a cosmic inflation uh, equation, physicists estimate that the universe is 23 trillion light years in diameter, and the universe is always expanding. It may be expanding at a rate faster than the speed of light. So in other words, the universe is beyond our comprehension, and it's always expanding. The universe is always getting bigger. It is ever expanding. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What does a giant expanding universe tell us about God? One, God is bigger than we can even begin to imagine. And two, God is all about expansion. God is ever expanding his kingdom. And that's just not something that we see in creation. The Bible tells us that God is always expanding his kingdom. Jesus just talked about it in the two parables we read. The kingdom is ever expanding. But the kingdom, the kingdom starts small. The kingdom starts small. Go back to the passage and just look like in verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which um, a man planted in his field. Verse 32, it's the smallest of all seeds. Uh, verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Mustard seed, yeast. Those things are small. Literally not much to look at. The kingdom starts small. Our faith, our personal faith, starts small. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, um, none of us began as theological giants. None of us began as mature believers. For all of us, our faith began small. And what does it take? What does it take to become a follower of Jesus? Now, all of us have a checklist of what a follower of Jesus should look like but what does it take to become a follower of Jesus? The Bible's answer is, it doesn't take much. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. How hard is that? Hmm, let me try it. Jesus is Lord. That wasn't that hard, okay? Now, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's a little harder because the resurrection is a stumbling block for many. And you can't just say you believe. You actually have to believe. But that's it. It's not that much. And Jesus made it sound even simpler. 
where he says in John chapter 6, they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus' checklist, the work of God is this, believe in the one he has sent. That's it. It's the whole list. Believing isn't an easy thing to do. But it's not a lot. Believe in the one God has sent. Declare Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that's all it takes to become a follower of Jesus. That's it. So personal faith, it starts small. Corporate faith, the community of faith, that also started out small. The church started out small. 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters shortly after his resurrection, and that's probably all the followers of Jesus that there were. <laughs> 500. That was probably all of them. And for a faith movement, 500 is not that many. Now, no one knows for sure, but by the end of the first century, the best guesstimates are that by the year 100, the Christian church made up 0.02% of the Roman Empire. Not 0.02% of the whole world, just the Roman Empire. There might have been 20 or 30,000 tops um, at the end of the first century. So the kingdom starts small. But the kingdom is always expanding. Going back to the passage, uh, verse 32, where it says, um, though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants, and it becomes a tree. Or uh, verse 33, when it talks about the yeast, took it and mixed it into 60 pounds of flour. Um, that's a lot of flour. Until it worked all through the dough. Faith expands. Our personal faith, it expands. Faith begins declaring Jesus as Lord and believing in the resurrection, but it grows. It starts to transform us. It starts to define us. Our whole lives become centered around our faith in Jesus, and more and more and more, we become like Jesus. It kind of gets to the point that we can't let it go. In Acts chapter 16, I find it really, <laughs> this is a great story about Paul and Silas. Um, Acts chapter 16, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas, they're stripped, they're beaten, they're thrown into prison. And their response is to pray and sing. They can't help it. For people of faith in Jesus, it just continues to grow in us. More and more, we become like Jesus. Now, maybe not as fast as we'd like to, maybe not as fast as our spouse would like to or other people would like to. Um, it doesn't happen in the instant. But faith always expands. Personal faith expands. Corporate faith Communities of faith, they expand. The church started out small. 
Uh, but it didn't take long for it to begin to rapidly expand. It began with 500 followers after the resurrection. And then on Pentecost, Peter preaches a message. And we read in Acts chapter 2, those who accepted his message, they were baptized. And 3,000 were added to their number that day. So the church grew by 3,000 in one day. That's pretty good. Then a couple of decades later, we read about Paul in Ephesus, about a silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And he called them together, Demetrius did, along with the workers in related trades. And he says, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines to the god of Artemis in the city of Ephesus, and it was big business. And he notices so many people coming to faith in Jesus that he sees it as a threat to his business. How many people would have to be coming to faith for Demetrius, a businessman, to notice the impact on his business. How many people are we talking? Well, if Ephesus is a city of 2,500 people, it's probably not that many. If it's 100 people, a businessman in a town of 2,500 would notice. If Ephesus was a city of 25,000, well, you're probably talking at least a couple hundred before Demetrius would notice. Well, in the first century, the city of Ephesus it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. At minimum, it had 250,000 people. So how many people were coming to faith in the city of Ephesus for Demetrius to notice? It had to be thousands. So the church started small and expanded rapidly. And it's been expanding ever since. In the year 100, the church made up 0.02% of the Roman Empire. In the year 300, the church made up 10% of the Roman Empire. If in the year 100, there were 20 to 30,000 believers, in the year 300, there were 6 million. Um, and that was just in the Roman Empire, not the whole world. The kingdom starts small. The kingdom expands. And the kingdom cannot be stopped. The kingdom cannot be stopped. Going back to the passage, one more time, in verse 32, where it says... Um, Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. The mustard seed becomes a mustard tree. I've shared this before, um, but it's really interesting to note, the mustard tree is a weed. The mustard tree is a weed. A mustard seed is not something you plant to grow a mustard tree. A mustard tree is a weed you are trying to get rid of. Why would Jesus compare the kingdom to a weed? I don't know about you, I hate weeds, right? They're horrible. Uh, I'm always working to get rid of them. Uh, 
They grow on my flowers. They grow on my lawn. Uh, they grow um, in my garden. They grow on, uh, my, in my driveway. They grow on the sidewalk in front of my house. They grow on the street in front of my house. Uh, I pull them up and they come back. I spray them and they come back. I use weed and feed and they come back. They just keep coming and coming and coming. You cannot win a battle against weeds. You just can't. The kingdom of God is like a weed. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And our personal faith, God always and continually works on our personal faith. There are seasons in life when faith doesn't matter to us, right? We all have these seasons. We make a commitment to Christ, and then sometime later, you know, we like put zero effort in faith. It really doesn't mean anything to us at all. Well, I just want to explain something to you. Whether you put 100% effort in your faith, or you put 0% effort in your faith, your faith always, always, always matters to God. Always. 0%, 100%, it still matters to him. God is relentless. He will keep coming and coming and coming until your faith wakes up. And it can take decades for some of us, but you know something? God doesn't get tired. He just keeps coming. Philippians 1 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I have heard people say, yeah, I've kind of walked away from the faith. Well, you can try. You can try to walk away. Uh, God's going to keep working on you. And if you think that your ability to resist God can outlast to the point that God will give up, you are out of your mind. You're crazy. You can't outlast God. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't come to faith in Jesus, God's going to keep coming after you too. Personal faith, our personal faith, God keeps working on us. It's also true for the community of faith, for the church. God just keeps working through it. I love, I just love listening to those who have wrote obituaries for the church. Oh, the church is declining. Oh, it's going to die. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. For 2,000 years, <laughs> people have been trying to kill the church or cheering for its demise. And hey, look, the church doesn't always help its case either, okay? Uh, the church has plenty of sins that we are guilty of. But regardless of what the haters say or all the flaws of us in the church, God keeps working through it. You know, early in the church's history, um, the Jewish authorities wanted to kill the church movement. And the leaders were having a debate about what to do about this new movement. And one of the wiser leaders said in Acts chapter 5, Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, uh, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against 
God. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped. In spite of the faults of the church, in spite of the opposition to the church, hey, look, here are just the facts. In year 100, church made up 0.02% of the Roman Empire, 20 to 30,000 people. In the year 300, church made up 10% of the Roman Empire, 6 million people. Today, the church makes up 30% of the world, 2.4 billion people. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest garden plant. It's like a weed that just keeps coming and coming and coming. The kingdom of God is like yeast that works its way through all the dough. Ever-expanding is about growth. God created a universe that never stops growing. The kingdom of God never stops growing. We are people who, because of God's work in our lives, our faith never stops growing. And the minute that we think that we've arrived, either as individuals or as a community of faith, and I do, I hear this from time to time, I've done enough, we've done enough. Well, that mindset doesn't understand the nature of God. Look around. Look at the universe. Look at what the Bible says. There is no season where we finally arrive. Now, make no mistake, there are seasons of rest, but there is no season of final arrival. God is a God of ever-expanding. It's why we're adding a new building. It's a physical expansion of our space. And that physical expansion of our space will enable us to expand our ministry to children, young families, adults. And we're grateful for your ongoing generosity for the new building. And we're excited to see how God's going to use that space to transform lives. But it is as clear as day. The Magic Valley is expanding. Twin Falls is expanding. Our neighborhood is expanding. And God is at work in all of it. And so we will expand with it and trust that God will work through us. The series on our vision is concluding, but our journey is just beginning. Every time we gather, we'll be reminded the gospel is real. The gospel changes everything. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. And so we will strive for biblical obedience, to be spirit-led, to become a safe haven, to meet Jesus, to be people of transformed lives, to make a missional impact, to be future-focused, and to be ever-expanding. And throughout this series, We've shared ministries we've already started to begin living into this vision. And as time goes on, we will continue to share new ministries or how we do established ministries in new ways to live out this vision. And we put these directives in the octagon because every time you see them, I want you to imagine. Imagine a community where Scripture is the primary lens we use to determine how to live or a community that follows the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything, or a community that's a place for the lost and broken to find peace and healing through Christ and community. Imagine a community 
where unbelievers belong and come to faith in Jesus. Imagine a community that lives visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus, or a community that develops relationships to bridge gaps as we reach out into the world, or a community that continually adapts to engage every generation, or imagine a community that is constantly growing in faith and ministry. How cool would it be to be a part and to become that kind of community? As a community of faith, God has been good to TFRC, but we have not arrived. God continues to expand, and he is calling us to join him, to continue to be faithful, as so many of you have been for so long, but we're not done. There are great things on the horizon, and I am excited to see what God is going to do through us. Please pray with me. And Lord, I just thank you for your relentlessness, how you've continued and kept coming to each one of us in our personal lives. Lord, how you've continued to call us as a community of faith Lord, how you always are looking to expand your kingdom, how to reach um, all sorts of of people and how to accomplish all sorts of great things. And Lord, as we look out into um, the creation that you have made, Lord, help us be reminded of your um, eternal power and divine nature. Again, we thank you for your grace and it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Uh, Receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.